0: Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name's Ian Smith. I'm the senior minister here at Billywicky Baptist Church. And it's great uh, to be here to bring God's Word to you and really interesting passage we're going to look at today. And the title of the talk is A Prayer of Jesus for You. And for someone who walked this earth just around 2,000 years ago, that might seem a strange concept. Um, But actually, it talks about in this prayer for those that come after the people he was with, which includes me and includes you. So a prayer of Jesus for you. So I'm going to read from John's Gospel, uh, John chapter 17, just verses 20 to 26, words of Jesus. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. I don't know about you, when people say they're praying for me, it feels good and it might be at a time when I'm not really sure how to pray myself, it might just be at a time when there's no real reason but someone just messages and says, you came into my head and I've been praying for you, I got such an email from someone in America just last week who actually I haven't had any contact with for something like 15 years, he said I don't know what sort of year you've had but I feel led to pray for you and it made me feel good. And that's great, but guess what? The thing about this passage is that Jesus himself, you know, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the head of the church, the son that was sent to die for the world, he himself prays for you and for me. That is an amazing thought. And so I love this prayer because Jesus is interceding. He's the intercessor. It means he's praying for other people. He's praying for me, he's praying for you. Think about it. Jesus, the one who has given that name because it means the Lord saves. God himself. All things have been created by him, for him, and through him. God himself prays for you and intercedes for you. And I would want to say right at the beginning, I don't know what you're going through. Um, and it might be hard to pray. And maybe there's other people uh, praying for you as well. Others interceding. But it's a real comfort. So whatever's going on in your life, Jesus intercedes for you. He doesn't leave you on his own. He intercedes for you. Now, running up to this uh, passage that we've read, um, in um, the beginning, he prayed for himself. In 6 to 19, he's prayed for his disciples. And in this verse, in chapter 17, 20 to 26, he's praying for us. It's important enough that the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, if this prayer is important enough for him to pray, then it must be important for us to take these words seriously. And we're going to look at uh, five things, two are really linked, but so maybe four things, but five things that he prays for. He prays for belief, he prays for unity, and he wants unity because unity shows uh, as a good witness, sometimes a bad witness. He prays for our destiny, and he prays for our identity. So we're just going to look at each of those in turn, and I really hope that you'll be blessed uh, by it. So the first thing, praise for belief, doesn't he? Verse 20, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So he's talking, to his, uh, the, the, he's talking about the disciples then, but also through their message. That's your message and my message. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 in a Living Translation, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? It became apparent to me and is still apparent to me, probably is apparent to you as well, but really on, in my early call, immediately, I knew that, that God had reached out to me and I'd gone to him. I was lost, as the hymn goes, but now I was found. But it occurred to me that so many people are lost. And it occurred to me that my words, my speech, and also my witness, is of paramount importance. Because I might be the only Christian that people come across. So how I hold myself, how I want to develop my character, how I want to talk to them about Jesus has a powerful impact. And that's the same for you as well. Romans 1.16, Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. This is why we do what we do. It's why ministers do what they do. It's why we preach and teach and admonish like we're told to. Hopefully with much love and graciousness. It's why in the past we've run Alphas. It's why we're looking to see what we can do online with Alpha now. It's why we'd like to, to invite people to these things and it's amazing at this time of uncertainty people's faith has had to increase and among young people particularly the the studies from yougov are showing that there is an increased interest in matters of faith and of people praying particularly among young people and this is what we're about as church the ecclesia the set aside those called out and it is difficult at the moment um, to be um, out there and talking and everything else, because we can't really have much contact with each other. But you can witness, and our character is as much as a witness as well. It's incredibly important for Christians to be changed into the likeness of Christ, Christ likeness, to witness to others in word and deed. Not everyone's an evangelist, but I do believe we're all called to witness, and we're told that always be prepared. To give a hope, to give an answer for the hope that you have. All of all of you, if you are followers of Jesus, have a story, and it can be really brief. It can be what my life was like before, what happened, what it's like now. So know your story. All of us, I think, are called to witness, um, and and all of us, you know, we know our vision. Um, we get a lot of questions about vision. It's on our on our window, and it's pretty simple. It's to know Jesus, and to make Him known. Uh, our mission statement, if we needed one, is going to be the Great Commission uh, found at the end of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus' last words, as we called, called it by Matthew. It's really to love and to serve and to speak and to act. And I feel like God is saying to our generation now, you know, just get on with it. Kind of get on with it. You know what you need to do. You don't really need to be spoon-fed. Just be the person Jesus is calling you to be. Colossians one28 to 28-29 says, We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. So there's, a, there's a, an insinuation there that as you receive teaching, as you hear the gospel proclaimed, you will change. It says, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labour, struggling with all this energy which so powerfully works in me. And that energy... That passion for the lost, that passion for that message to be, to be passed down from all that time ago when Jesus prayed it into our lives now, that we impact others. That energy, that passion uh, comes from Christ. In, and it comes from him in who we are, uh, what we say and what we do. And very recently, we've had some you know, really tough pastoral situations. Situations that bring tears to your eyes. And you can see how people are moved to pray and fast, to be determined. We never want to lose that momentum. Praying for the lost, praying for healings, praying against sickness. Jesus prays for those who will believe through their message. Now, I don't want to steal his thunder. uh, And if you really want the whole story, which I would advise you do, uh, after this, pop over to the Delve link. And Gary's going to share um, with, with Phil and Tracy... Uh, It's uh, an amazing story, uh, which is really encouraging. But without spoiling the story, where there's no hope, that's a lie. There's always hope. Prayer can be offered. You can witness miracles, and people will witness the miracle. And we have to say at that point, it doesn't happen all the time. I wish it happened more. And in those times, we have to put our trust in God. When we don't see the answers that we want, we have to say that he... He is sovereign, he is Lord, and sometimes I don't understand. He is God. I'm not God. You're not God. And we won't always understand his ways. But it's fair to say in my Christian journey, the more I've prayed, the more I see happen. When I don't pray, things don't happen. So if you want to see some miracles in people's lives, be praying, be proactive, act on their behalf and I've got to say, we all need that passion to pray, to tell people, to look for opportunities to serve and to love and demonstrate the gospel. To invite Alpha in church, a bit difficult at the moment, although you can invite them to the online services. And we are getting hits on that. We're actually having people wanting to join the church through our online ministry. But we need to keep that passion for the lost, to be the person Jesus has called you to be, to be Jesus wherever you are right now, because the church has this amazing opportunity. In the middle of people who are in despair, who don't think there's any hope, who fear death, we have an amazing message, one that says there's always hope, one that says you don't have to fear, one that says actually death doesn't get the last word. And sometimes it's not that difficult. It just can be small things. I'll just share, we're, we're walking, probably as most of you are, much more now than we're used to. And we, we, Andrew and I were in the high street last week. It's spitting with rain. It wasn't really a hardship. Uh, we just, we was on our daily walk and we kind of went up to the end and came back. And um, we were stopped in the street, all socially distanced, and there was a, a foreign lady, I think she was Romanian, and she was a bit flustered. And she was looking for a dentist, and, and I didn't even know where this dentist was. It was stuck down a side alley. Uh, but she had the address. She said my friend told me to come to Billerickie because this dentist was good. And it turned. I said, well, where, where are you from? And she said, well, I live. I've been living in Romford for ten years. She'd never been to Billerickie. And so I said, Well, give me the address. And I've got my phone. Did Google Maps, and I could see. Oh right, yeah, it's 50 yards up there. And it's an alley. She goes, oh, where? where?" I said, come on, we'll walk with you. And we were distanced and everything else. So we walked with her and Andrew was talking to her. Then we found the alley. I said, it must be here somewhere. I mean, she was never going to find it. And actually, when you went back, this dentist was tucked uh, behind the corner. She was so grateful that we just bothered to walk with her. And actually, we were blessed by it. It wasn't difficult. I don't need to hear a sermon to tell me to do that. I feel the words are just... Be the Christian. That, that is an obvious thing, a small thing. And she said, it's so lovely. Thank you so much. Didn't give her the gospel. Didn't talk to her about Jesus. But I believe we were being like Jesus would have been, had he been there. Belief can come from your actions. It can open doors as much as words. Um, so the second, that's the first thing. He, he, Jesus talks about the belief that will come through our message. Second thing is unity in verse 21 Uh, to 23 doesn't he says that all of them may be one verse 22 be one as we are one um, and he talks about complete unity Psalm 133 uh, Psalm of David says how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity it's like precious oil poured on the head running down on the beard running down on Aaron's beard down on the collar of his robe as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. You see that where there's unity, unity is important. Uh, unity uh, is something we need to work out. And unity can be part of our witness to the outside world. And, and actually, uh, David says, there is a, God gives a blessing where there's unity. And, and, and if there's disunity, maybe the blessing's not there as much. And I want to be blessed this morning. I want you to be blessed. I want to see blessing in people's lives. And Jesus is praying here that we are people of unity. And the Bible elsewhere said where there's unity, there's a blessing. When we work together, we can achieve so much for God. We don't want to get bogged down in petty arguments and disagreements, choosing to be offended rather than choosing not to be, or holding grudges. It just wears people down. It wears you down. It ties you out. Why does it tie you out? Why does it wear you down? There's no blessing to be found there. Um, I'm reading a book at the moment. I've nearly finished it. I'm going to read it again and I've been really challenged by it, and it's called Unoffendable uh, by a man called Brant Hansen, and he's actually a, a Christian um, radio presenter. It's really, really good. It doesn't pull any punches. I recommend it, but it's a challenge. It's You have to love. You have to forgive. Don't just take offence, and it's really hard. But what's amazing is, is he says there's real freedom when you do that. You're choosing not to be offended. It's really difficult sometimes, but there's real freedom in that. And actually, it's the Jesus way. He quotes the passages that maybe we don't like to highlight too much. Um, You know, forgive as the Lord forgave you. As you uh, uh, forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive others who trespass against us. The Lord will not forgive you if you don't forgive others. And we can we can you know mix that up a bit and try and make it sound a little bit more. Uh, appeasing, well, you know, only if they say sorry, or, or they don't deserve the forgiveness. So, you know, I'm going to hold it. It's really, read that book. I think it's a life changing one. It's really good, and it's good because there's blessing where there's unity. There's blessing when we can choose not to take offence. There's blessing when we're not getting bogged down in petty arguments and disagreements. Uh, there's blessing when we're doing the will of God. There's blessing when we want to be Jesus to those around us. You know, your attitude can really change you, um, and equally as important, it can change others that are around you. Now, you know I like golf, and uh, I haven't really had caddies as much uh, as I'd like to. Some courses I've played, they insist on a caddy, but I've only ever had it twice. Now, if you're a golfer um, and you talk down to yourself, which most golfers do, you're rubbish, you hit a bad shot, or they see water and you think, oh, I'm gonna, you actually talk yourself into it, I'm going to hit it in the water. You can hit an eight iron, 150 yards, any day of the week, on the driving range, close to the pin. Put the water in, in the way, all you can see is the water, you're focusing on the negative. The caddies job, and when I've had caddies, they talk positively, positive reinforcement, I think they call it. So instead of saying, oh, there's the water, don't miss the water, they'll say, Ian, that's 150 yards, that's an 8-iron, any of that a week, just swing nice and easy, you'll get it close to the pin. You can do it. It's positive. It's positive thinking. It's a positive attitude. You know what? You step up, you hit the shot. Because their attitude affects you. They're not allowing anyone to talk down and put you down and tell you what you can't do. They're looking at the positive and actually, when we're around people, our attitude can affect others. It's, we've got to remember that. Jesus said, he'll build his church and the gates of Hades will not come against it. When you read that verse, sometimes you think, well, it's like us. We're the church. We're the people of God. And, and, and hell, Hades is trying to get at us. But actually, it's, it's, if you look at it the other way around, Jesus said he will build his church and the gates of Hades will not come against it. Might be that it's the enemy after us. But it reads that Jesus is building his church and it's the church is moving forward and the gates of Hades will not stop the church. The church will push, push through and bring people out of the kingdom of, of, of the enemy and bring them into the kingdom of God. The gates of Hades will not stand against it. But one of the enemy's weapons is disunity and that's why there's no blessing. But with unity, so much more can happen. Because it's there, the Bible says, that the Lord bestows a blessing. And I find personally, the closer I am to God, the more I'm settled in myself, the more confident I am in him. But if I let that time with him suffer, it's quite easy to get offended and get ratty, uh, get stressed. Jesus said and showed many times that his ministry was interwoven, entwined with the Father and the Holy Spirit. It wasn't done in isolation. And the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, are a perfect relationship. So therefore, Christians, if we're modelling the imagery of God, and if we're made in the image of God, we can never be a person outside of the family. We don't want to be in isolation. We're family, and I'm grateful for that. Surrounding each other, caring for each other, worshipping together, witnessing to the world. And it's really important because the subheading is that relationship and that unity is a witness to the world. The world looks on. Jesus said in verses 21 and 23 of our passage, All may be one, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. What's the reason? So that the world may believe you have sent me. He's saying it's that relationship that the world will see. And the world will believe because of that. And then he goes on to say, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity. Why? To let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The church is this prophetic witness in, in, its, in its, the way it's dealing with people, the way it deals with the world, the way we deal with each other. We must love one another. Jesus said earlier in John's Gospel, in John 13:35, he actually said a new command. So a new command, he said, I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, why? By this, all people will know you're my disciples. So people will see, these, these people have got something. They've got real relationship. They're they're, they're standing out. They're looking out for one another. What's the difference? The difference is God. This is how they'll know that we're his disciples. A new command. What was the old command? Well, elsewhere, he said the two greatest commands were love God and love your neighbour. God comes first, always. He is above everything. Love God, love your neighbour. Here he's saying, but by the way, don't forget, love each other as well within the church. And, you know, I could, I could preach this in, in one minute. You know, it's easy. Love God, love your neighbour, love each other. Amen. But anyway, we'll open it. It's not, it's not often now that I preach um, elsewhere. But when I do, nine times out of ten, I'll hear some negativity. Someone will come up to me as a visiting preacher. Uh, maybe share something about a person or the church and what they're not doing. It's a family of God where they worship. and It, it just leaves me thinking, oh, I wouldn't want to go there. We, we don't want to be like that, we want to be the opposite, where there's a, a godly pride in who we are, what we're about, uh, a people of committed contributors rather than compromised consumers, people that are looking to serve, looking to love, because that is the essence, the character of God, of God. Here, Jesus says, our relationship with God, he said, may they be in us, and our relationship with each other counts. He said, brought to complete unity, to let the world know you have sent me and have loved me. Our unity and our love and our service and our witness and our words, they all count. And if we get that wrong, just go and look at the newspapers, it can affect our witness negatively as well. So just really, as we come to an end, the full thing, verse 24, I want to say, particularly in these times, it talks about destiny. I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. A you know, verse um, that I remember spoke to me early on. Sometimes, sometimes it's okay to say life here is a bit of a struggle. It's not always, but sometimes it is. And sometimes you might think, it'd just be easier if I wasn't here. You, know, and you could probably echo the words of Paul in Philippians one twenty one. yet for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. You, know, I'd, I'd long, you long to be with Christ, but in the meantime, I'm on this earth... And I'm going to live for him. And Jesus says in John 14, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So yet for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. How can death be a gain? How can death be better? We have this fear of death. But actually for the Christian, you do not need to fear death. We have this assurance. At the moment, there's a lot of death around. It's a sad time. Some of you would have lost people that you know. We, we are struggling with that as a family ourselves but death does not have the last word God does and so although we might feel sometimes well for me to live is Christ to die actually would be gain we can only say that as a Christian because we know there's better to come in the meantime we're living for Christ and Jesus says don't let your hearts be troubled don't be afraid I've prepared a place for you so when that time comes and we have to face it we can face it with full assurance and confidence Because of that destiny. And the reason we've got that destiny is on to my last point, identity. Because we're his. Verse 25 to 26. I have made you known to them. So if you're a follower of Christ, you've trusted your life to Christ, you're following him, received his forgiveness, received the Holy Spirit that promises, God himself promises to live within you, then you have an identity in Christ. If you haven't done that, then do it. Ask God into your life. Ask for the forgiveness, because we've all done things wrong. But it's not for condemnation. The Bible says there is no condemnation now for those in Christ Jesus. It's so that you can join in with these things that I'm saying this morning. You can be part of this family. You can have unity. You can have love. It's not perfect, but we're we're doing all right. Because we, we have the Lord God himself in our hearts. But you've got to have that identity. Where's your identity? He says, I have made you known to them. You've got to accept Jesus into your heart. You have to do it. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Death does not have the last word. God does. There is always hope, even when people tell you there's no hope. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Galatians four verse six says, "God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out Abba Father." Christianity is is about accepting Jesus and asking him to change our lives. He promises to send His Holy Spirit, and we're forgiven, so that we can have a relationship with God the Father. There's, a, there's the whole trinities involved, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And it becomes less religion, more faith. It's a heart thing. It's a heart thing. It's not about an attitude of following rules. I mean, that's part of it. But it's not just the rule. I could follow all the rules and still not be a Christian. It's not just concerned about breaking the rules, but it's a change in me. That says, I'm more concerned, I don't want to break God's heart because I'm a rebel. It's not just breaking the rules, I don't want to break his heart. He's loved me, he's given his son for me, he sent his spirit to me. I want to do the things that he wants me to do. And so many times that's countercultural. But that's what Christ likeness is it's to be like Christ. I love my God. I know you do as well. And we choose to serve and to follow him to become more like him to develop the christ likeness and so as we go out into the world in these times there seems to be hope on the horizon there's always hope Uh, there seems to be some despair around but there's always hope there seems to be a lot of death around it doesn't get the last word let's remember those five things jesus was concerned about belief it's my belief but also those that would believe through my witness he was concerned about unity because that's where the Lord bestows a blessing. He's concerned about unity because actually that's part of our witness to the world. This is how you'll know they're my disciples if you love one another. He's concerned and prayed for your destiny. There's an assurance. Death does not have the last word. He's going to prepare a place for you. And all of that is because of your identity in Christ. It's one of love. But you need that identity. So do something about it if you haven't already. In the meantime, go and read that passage again, uh, John 17 uh, from verse 20. See how Jesus has prayed for you. See how he's interceding for you. See how he's commissioning you, and you can tell others about him. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you that in these uh, difficult times, uh, your word still speaks clearly to us. Your spirit lays it on our hearts. And I pray, Lord, for everybody listening Lord, that they would once again give their lives over to you, realise the position they're in, realise that their character, their words, their witness has a massive impact on the world around us. We thank you for some of these statistics that are coming in of people's faith increasing, prayer lives lives more determined. Help us to be part of that, Lord. Help us to show people how blessed we are of our identity in you. Fill us with your spirit, send us out into the world.